Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here, really excited about today's show. It's the Black Panther panel from Terrificon last month in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. An amazing lineup. Afua Richardson representing the ta Coats' current run of Black Panther. Also, Bob Almond. He and Sal Valuta were very important during the Marvel Knights run of Black Panther. We also have the Marvel Knights Black Panther writer himself, Christopher Priest. Really excited. First time Christopher Priest has ever been on Word Balloon. And we had him on earlier with a guest Word Balloon feature with Ed Cato interviewing him. But this time I get to ask the questions. Don McGregor, the great Don McGregor, who gave us wonderful Panther stories in the 70s and the 80s and really crystallized the character of the Black Panther. We all know Stan and Jack created him. But as Priest points out on the panel, really, the roots of Black Panther start with Don McGregor. So uh, it's a great discussion, not only about, of course, the Panther phenomenon of this year, including the movie, but their contributions to the character, their thoughts on the character, the world of Wakanda, all of it in this amazing discussion that I was very happy to moderate, get out of the way, and let these creative minds give us their two cents on the greatness of the Black Panther. Really excited to bring it to you today on Word Balloon. Hey, I forgot, this is, of course, another edition of Word Balloon 101. Yes, we're all firmly back to school by now. Most schools are. I know a couple schools haven't started yet. I don't think uh, DePaul or um, a couple of the Chicago schools don't start until the end of September. Must be nice. So they get to enjoy their summer a little bit longer. But uh, the rest of us, yes, as we mull around the hallways here, uh, you're really going to be excited about today's Word Balloon because not only do we have great conversation from these amazing Black Panther creators, but uh, we also have a new sponsor today. This episode of Word Balloon brought to you by Aftershock Comics. Shaking things up at your local comic shop right now with hit series like Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Tour. Baby Teeth with Donny Cates and Gary Brown. And A Walk Through Hell by Garth Ennis and Goran Sudzuka. As well as exciting new titles like Hot Lunch Special with Elliot Royale and Jorge Fornes. Beyonders by Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair and Moth and Whisper from Ted Anderson and Jen Hickman. You can check out what's rumbling at AfterShockComics.com. We're going to tell you more about some of these Aftershock titles and get into details very soon in uh, the mid-break on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support via Patreon. I appreciate the subscriptions. It's the beginning of a new month. Thank you very much for your continued support. It makes it easier to get to the conventions and make the connections of these brand new guests that we are able to bring you each month here at Word Balloon. I think uh, what I do here at Word Balloon is uh, different than a lot of other comic book com- uh, podcasters out there, and I'm sure you agree. Uh, is it worth the price of a comic book each month? Is it worth a dollar each month? If you can spare it and subscribe to Word Balloon, you're really helping out uh, keeping things going here at Word Balloon. It's free. Word Balloon will always be free. I promise you that. But if you'd like to help out the cause and think what I'm doing here is worth your while, a subscription via Patreon would be greatly appreciated. As a thank you, you're getting advanced listens to a lot of these Terrificon panels. Uh, right now, uh, advanced listening on the 80th anniversary of Superman panel featuring Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, Pete Tomasi, Paul Kupperberg. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, and also the 80th anniversary of Robin the Boar Wonder, because we're almost at that point now. That'll be in 2019. But Mike Barr, Denny O'Neill, 
Tim Seeley, Pete Masi among the creators that are discussing Robin the Boy Wonder. A great discussion in both cases. Also some Marvel Cosmic talk with Roy Thomas and Jim Starlin. And the birth of the Infinity Gauntlet. Unbelievable conversation with Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, and Joe Rubenstein. A real pleasure doing all these terrific con panels. You've heard the discussions. You're going to hear another one today with Black Panther. It's all because of uh, the Word Balloon listeners helping me out. Thank you very much, League. I really appreciate the support. Again, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or click on the Patreon ad to become part of the League of Word Balloon listeners. Let us uh, enter the lecture hall, have our seats, and uh, learn about the Black Panther from the people who know him best, the creators. Here's that great lineup of creators to talk about Black Panther on today's Word Balloon. Welcome, everyone, to the Black Panther panel. Everybody having fun so far? Day two. My name is John Santos. I host a podcast called Word Balloon, and it's truly a pleasure to talk to these amazing creators. Uh, I'm going to start at the far end and uh, welcome the great artist Afua Richardson, who's been doing wonderful work on Black Panther. A tremendous writer who has been entertaining us for years, the wonderful Christopher Priest. Oh, I thought you were talking about Well, and then uh, we're, we're expecting Bob Almond, who will be joining us as well, another fantastic artist who, who was working with Christopher on his Panther run. But uh, a man who's entertained us for many decades and continues to, both on panels and in the pages, ladies and gentlemen, the great Don McGregor. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Don and and work my way down because um, you know uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created the Panther and gave us our, our foundation of the character. It's been an incredible year for Black Panther and it's great to see the awareness of the character rise. But each of these creators have, have had a great impact on the character as well. And Don, um, given what Stan and Jack did in Fantastic Four, starting the Panther, Roy Thomas used the Panther in Avengers and stuff, but then you really, you know, it seemed you and Gene Colan with your, your runs on the character really, you know, evolved the character as well. What did you want to bring to the character that hadn't been done before? Well, it was the first series uh, that the Black Panther was the, the son of Star Wars, and it was so that was going to be a set of stories that were set in Wakanda. Wakanda had been used by Stan and Jack. Obviously, they invented it, created it all. But um, there was very little delving in what Wakanda was outside of this hidden, technologically advanced country. They didn't have enough room. They had four Fantastic Four characters to deal with, and, and then at least one villain that had to be fought. And then you could throw the Black Panther into the mix, and you didn't really have a lot of room to, to you know, really analyze and what Wakanda was. So, yeah, I read all the books before I started writing it. I don't think I wrote a page for three months. Uh, I was putting the, the maps together. So that, because I, I knew I was, I knew I was going to do a continued story. I, I didn't ask permission because I would have been told no, I couldn't do it. Um, but the only thing that made any sense to me is if he came back and we were going to have 13 pages for every two months, that's a lot to ask a reader to come back two months later and care about these characters or this place. So my thought was, well, it's going to be connected because if he comes back and every issue I have to create a new villain, 
Um, after about the fourth issue, the Wakandans would say, Ciao, go, go back to America. Seriously, we were doing fine. And then you came along, and every two months, somebody tries to kill us, steal vibranium, whatever it was. So I thought, it's got to be connected. And that started leading to the creation of Killmonger. And the only way I did get away with doing it as a novel, <clears throat> I was working at staff at the time, and if you're there, you can kind of safeguard your book a lot, because if people try to screw with it, you're right there to say, wait a minute, you're gonna take the nipples out that Billy Graham put in there? I don't think so. <laughs> and make sure the book gets so they have about four hours to look at your book before it's gonna make the purchase. Because Jack Porton, who managed all that, he would make sure he didn't care, just get the book out, we need it out there. Um, so, you know, in being able to do that, I had taken the Panthers Rage logo, and in those days, the stats were you, you copied, you could copy and shrink the stuff down to any size you wanted. And I went to Stu Schwarzberg, who, who ran that room, and said, Stu, I need you to shoot this down for me, various sizes. And just as the book was going out to the purchase, I put Panthers Rates Continues. And I think they caught on to it about the fourth issue. <laughs> and it was delightful. He, uh, he just joined us uh, on the panel, everyone. He worked uh, well with uh, Christopher on Christopher's Panther Run, the great artist Bob Ballinger, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that. My volunteers are in front of their own. Hey, conventions, everyone always runs to the panels and stuff. Christopher and, and Bob, I want to hear both of you talk about this because uh, the Panther in the Marvel Knights era was a very important character, and uh, it started. Uh, Joe Casada and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti had the Marvel Knights imprint. And I know that uh, for both of you, uh, I, I know Casada was a huge champion of the book. And as I recall, uh, as great as it was, wasn't a big seller. And, and truly, like, Casada was one of those guys going, hey, if you're not paying attention, these guys are kicking ass on Black Panther right now. You really should read it. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people like, oh, that's cool. Because I, I, I was back to comics and it was great to see this kind of portrayal. So, yeah, uh, Christopher, you started, and then and Bob as well. Sal Valuto, Bob, was uh, the, the other artist? Partner, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we, started, we first teamed up in 97 at Acclaim Comics for Bloodshot, and yeah, that was only two years before the Panther thing. Uh, we had an offer for Justice League, but it was kind of still nebulous in the works. Okay. So when this offer came up, even my editor at DC was like, take what you got guaranteed, just <laughs> go with it, you know? And, Thank God we did that. I was trying to talk Sal into it because he's a he's into the classics DC work. So he was just tempted. It was like his dream thing, but it's like, yeah, you just never know. You don't want to pass up something and the other project falls apart. Absolutely. Uh, he be had more the inner workings of the stuff with uh, Casada and Pauliano. Well, and yeah, and Christopher, honestly, tell us about uh, you know when it, who did you approach them and said I want to do uh, Black Panther, or did they come to you and say we think you'd be perfect for Black Panther? Well, first, Senator, I'd like to say that uh, I left my jacket at a Chinese restaurant last night, so <laughs> I'm a little distracted. <laughs> I'm like, what was in the pockets of the jacket? Uh, and then also, Dom's shirt is really sparkly. Very Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah, very. No, right. I was thinking more Michael Jackson. There you go. You know, that kind of thing. Um, no, uh, 1998, uh, I got a call from Joe Casada. He had just started this uh, Marvel Knights uh, imprint. And I got very excited because I went, this is it. This is the call. This is it. I'm going to finally get my chance to write Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> and 
man, I've waited my whole career. I thought, I can't, I, man, I'm so excited. He said, Black Panther, I said, who? <laughs> uh, and initially, I turned him down. Um, and uh, Black Panther has traditionally uh, been a character that Marvel has not really invested a lot of energy in. Uh, and, you know, Don can tell you, you know, lengthy stories uh, of mainly how he built uh, Wakanda and built that world, largely because he was ignored, because the editorial team didn't really care about the character. And, you know, and, and, and so they weren't really paying much attention until it was kind of a done deal. Um, uh, I didn't want to be in that boat. I didn't want to get stuck there. And, uh, and then uh, Mark Wade called me up and tried to talk me into it, and Brian Gustin talked me up, and I was like, no, 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 um, so finally, uh, how many of you have seen this film, Casino, with Robert De Niro? Let me see you. Okay. So there's a scene in, this, in, 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 in Casino where the mob guys come to Robert De Niro, and he's, he's, he's lounging by the pool, and they're trying to talk Robert De Niro into running the casino, taking over the operations of the casino, and he doesn't want to do it. And they, 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 talk, they twist his arm and trying to talk him into it. And finally, Bob says, uh, uh, all right, well, listen, if I do it, i got to do it my way. And he goes, oh, sure. No, 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 I mean it. Absolutely no interference. Nothing, nothing from downtown, nothing. You know, and that's the deal I made with Joe. I was like, okay, I can do it, but uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my version of Black Panther with, with all due respect to this great guy here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing, and uh, the, he's going to be dangerous and dark and scary, and he's going to be uh, a, a lot colder than what we're used to. He's going to be uh, more technologically. We're going back to Stan. I went all the way back to, to Stan Lee, who had this uh, incredibly brilliant thinker who was always three or four steps ahead of his enemies, who uh, uh, had all this advanced technology. He was a rich guy. He was a rich, handsome dude. And he beat the Fantastic Four all by himself. That's right. That's the guy I'm going to write. And if I can't write that guy, please keep looking. Or, you know, what? Right. Okay. Uh, let me just skip ahead real briefly. Uh, so where Sal and Bob came in, we did 12 issues of Panther from Marvel Knights. And I figured, well, that's it. You know, I'm Christopher Brees. They cancel my books on spec. They go, it's free. <laughs> cancel. You know, keep your eye on Destro, fellas. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, I wrote issue 12, and then I went up and I started doing Steel with the Dennis Cowan or Quantum Woody or yeah. something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, thank you for that smattering of applause. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you. And uh, about three months later, I got this call from uh, Ruben Diaz, the editor. And uh, he says, Jim, they used to call me Jim as long as I He says, Jim, where's the script for 13? I said, 13, issue 13 of what? What are you talking about? And he says, well, Black Panther 13. I said, there's a Black Panther 13? He goes, yeah, well, nobody told me. I just assumed we were done. <laughs> and, and not only were we not done, but I was like three months late. Uh, now, did Sal and, and, Sal and I, did we do Justice League Task Force before Panther? Mm -hmm. That was before Panther. So he said, well, how about Sal Baluto? And Sal and I had done a run on Black, uh, on, um, excuse me, Justly Task Force, another book that was completely, completely and utterly ignored by the company. Yep. I mean, the, 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 the Justly Task Force, real briefly, they were supposed to be the Navy SEALs of the Justice League, with a, a special missions force, where the JLA would send this group of, of young, younger people out to do these special, you know, they wore matching uniforms, and they were hit, and blah, blah, The only thing is the Justice League never sent them anywhere. <laughs> and I would go across the hall, and 
about the, the justly executed. You gotta send my guys. We're just sitting around reading the paper. You gotta send my guys somewhere. And, and, and the riders refused to play ball. So I told Hoover, I said, until the justly people actually send the task force anywhere, I'm not ever sending them on any missions. And you go back and read that book. It was a book about nothing. <laughs> it was the Seinfeld of Justice League. Where absolutely, I hand to God, nothing happened. So I went, okay, so we're, Bob, uh, 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 Sal and I are, Sal and I are used to doing a book that's being completely ignored. So this was the Black Panther, that'll fit in perfectly. So we just went on transition. So they moved it from Marvel Knights to the Marvel Universe, and, and that's when our team came on board and we just took off from there. And, and, and uh, John, you're right, I couldn't give Black Panther away. If I had a stack of them in the back of a Chevy, you know, on, on Fifth Avenue, handing them out with $100 bills taped inside, <laughs> no one would take it. I mean, it was a struggle, the whole, the whole run was a struggle. But it was really cool that um, Casada really was out there like say, hey, this is a great book. Pay attention, people. And I don't know if it if it helped tick up the numbers or not because you ended up doing like sixty issues. Am I right? Yeah, but they, they hung on to it because we had uh, we, were, we were the critical darling. You know? Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I do. That I explained that to Dan DeVito the other day. I said, you know, the, what I, what I bring you is uh, 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 mainstream media attention for our Deathstroke run and, and stuff we did in um, the Chicago gun violence story and things yeah. like that. And I bring you like critical reviews. What I, I can't seem to learn how to do is bring a publisher actual sales. <laughs> so one day I'll figure that part out and I'll actually be working in this business. But until then, it's 40 years of trying to break in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're paying attention. Afui, you're, you're the uh, youngest creator to come to the Black Panther phenomenon and uh, part of the wave that came in with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yes. And uh, yeah, tell me about how you got involved and what and what drew you to the project. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I got asked to do a cover for the Tonics and Pokes, Brian Stoneman's run. And it's funny you were talking about, you know, wanting to, not wanting to work on a book where people didn't really pay attention to it. Brian Stoneman's wanted to work on it because he thought no one would give him any editorial uh, oversight. He said, this is going to be a small project. But yeah, it was just supposed to be a variant cover for that series. And then when they when I submitted it, I, I um, they looked at it. I didn't hear anything for three months. And I was like, oh, I think this is not going to use it. Oh well, uh, just you know, something else. And then it happens. Then I get an email from Tony. He says, I'm really sorry. I grabbed your email from the CC chain. I just got to tell you, I love this. I really, really love this. I love all the pieces. I love all the elements. I, I decided to. Uh, my name Afua is a uh, a Ghanaian name from West Africa. It means a girl born on Friday. So Kofi wow. would be a boy born on Friday. A man is Tuesday, etc., etc. And uh, I have my age from from Ghana, though I don't necessarily know all of their names. But I wanted to take a piece of me and put it in the covers. So in each of the five covers that I did, I took a different uh, symbol of the Akan, the Adegra symbols, which are like a philosophy embedded in a, a little tiny glyph, like the one on my wrist here. Um, and each one was pertinent to the story. So in cover one, uh, behind T'Challa is 
he who wants to be king was first going to serve, which I thought was perfect for what was going on in Wakanda. And behind um, uh, the two door Malaje who are in love, which kind of goes against their duty, um, it's freedom and independence comes with a price. You know, and all these different symbols mean something different to someone. So uh, the one that I have on my wrist, that's kind of like, hey, it's gonna be okay, is Ichimchim, uh, which means whatever comes, you deal with it. You have to be maneuverable, you have to be flexible, you have to be able to take whatever deadline they want to change and be able to hit it. So I decided to take that piece of me and my culture, my heritage, and my name and place it in each of the covers according to what was happening in the story. And so when I spoke to Tanahisi about it, he wasn't necessarily a big Black Panther fan when he was younger. It was something that he didn't connect with, but when he decided to get on board with this, he read everything, everything there was to read. He was like, I'm doing my homework. And he fell in love. He was like, I've fallen in love with these characters in an unhealthy way. <laughs> Three years of a script before the first issue even dropped. You know, so just talking with him about like taking the different elements. So it's great. It's great to see like someone else, you know, hold on to the infinity gauntlet of Black Panther and say, all right, this is the reality that I'm going to make here. And I, I want to add this element in John Vita and John Wajay and, and each person saying like, hey, I, I want to, you know, I want to take this person and make them, you know, who I see the Black Panther is. So I, I am super excited to be with that and, and carry on you guys' lineage. It's, I'm, I'm super proud. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I, I live in Chicago, we had a Panther convention, and it purely was just about the, the Black Panther. And I'm used to that with Doctor Who and Star Trek, but that's how big this phenomenon has become. But they and, didn't invite us. I was gonna, honestly, yeah, I can truly, I, I, I looked for yeah, and, and honestly, I, I was disappointed. And, and there is this growing schism, it seems, between the television and film products and the comics, which, as we all know, is the foundation where all this great stuff comes from. So, yeah, it's, I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll go down the line, guys, is it, and, and, and Afua, all of you, if you don't mind, I'll call you collectively guys. But, uh, <laughs> but um, honestly, yeah, is that, is that kind of bittersweet? I know that you're all getting your due for your contributions to the character. Are but we? Yeah, really? I, well, there we go. We'll go down the road, you know. I got, I, so, let me, Bob, let me, do let me straighten you out on this. Talk to me, Dad. And every once in a while, I put this up on my Facebook page, just so people think, Don didn't see any of that one billion point, however many million dollars the movie has made. I got paid $162 for the book that creates Killmonger and has the first baps of Wow. $162 to this day. Don, that, honestly, that's very shocking because... Did you want to work in this business? Did you want to be a Marvel Comics? Here's what your choice was in 1973. Either you signed those contracts you didn't get to work in the business. Yeah, we're not at DC or, or Marvel, and you know, Warren didn't pay any better. So you've been being there because you loved it and you wanted to be there. And by the way, I love the Black Panther. Well, sure, but I, it is surprising because, because I, he cost me a lot in my life. 
it, it seems like in the last couple of years, like Len Wein didn't get what he deserved for Wolverine, but got a check. And honestly, I mean, I always feel embarrassed and crass when I ask creators about that because, yeah, it seems like since the Kirby estate and uh, the Siegel and Schuster estates have, you know, kind of asked for their rightful claim to, to get paid for these incredible creations that make billions of dollars for these companies. Now, let me just take a So, yeah, I just want to one thing to that. Yeah. There's something that you were talking about. Um, much of Panther's Rage, when the book started, they said, okay, uh -huh. the, the only instructions I was given was it was going to be set in Wakanda. That was it. Okay. They thought the book was going to die, and that's why they gave it to me. Yep. They, so I, they didn't mind me being on editorial. I don't think I was especially good at it, but I worked hard at it, and I had no political agenda. I didn't want to be editor-in-chief. I didn't want to rewrite anybody. I only wanted to do my own stories, leave me alone and let me do that. Sure. Um, so they gave me, Jungle Lash was going to go to new material and the Black Earth being in it, but nobody had looked ahead and thought, what does that really mean? Well, you know, by the third issue when they only had black characters and there's one white character, Venom, in the series, it started to become a real big problem. This is 1973, 74. This is a 2018, despite all of the schisms that we have, going on right in this time period that unfortunately and sadly we're all going to have to face and face those consequences. But in then, in pop culture, you, it just, there wasn't, in pop culture at least they now make face that they're, they're not, you know, there's, there's no racism going on or sexism going on. But in 1973, if you were a woman and you wanted to write comics, you could only write a show that had a woman lead character. Um, if you were a black artist, you, you were assigned to Luke Cage or the Black Panther, and, and that was just the mentality. That's, you don't have to like, take my word for it, look at the books. You know? But one of the things I want to say is that because I started fighting with them every issue as Panther's Rage went on, because they wanted to bring more white people. That was the basic, we want white people. And my thought was, the I why want white people too, actually. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, well, no, I did bring them. I finally did. Thank you. I brought the Kugash plan. And then, see, and they weren't happy about that. It's literally, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. They go, Don, you can't do this. You can't do this. And I, and I said, well, you know, for two and a half years, you people bug me and bug me to put white people. I finally I'd give you something. And there's just no satisfying you folks. <laughs> so, uh, but, Part of what the movie's been, the response to the movie, and I'm really thrilled by that, that so many people have taken it to heart, and it, it means a lot to them, um, and it's brought an awareness of the books, because they probably would have been forgotten, except by the, you loyal fans out there who experienced the books years ago and still have a love for them, and thank you for that. Um, but not, those books did not have the accolades, not in the industry on a minor scale to the, to the, the readers that really responded to it. Sure. And the more I went to conventions and people came up to me and talked to me what those books meant to them, yeah. the more I felt like I have to ignore these people. I can't, I, I have to keep my eye on what I thought I was gonna do you know, two years before going to the end line uh, to do it. And so to see the movie getting that kind of response, now is great. Well, what I tell people is uh, that between 75 and 80 percent of what you saw on the screen was created by Don McGregor. Uh, Stan Lee and Jack, they, they created Black Panther, 
But Stan wrote somewhere between, I guess, three and five Black Panther stories in his lifetime. And, and, and Jack did his own sort of miniseries, which yep. just completely ignored you know, what Don was doing. But what you saw on the screen. I, but by the way, just to say, Jack Kirby doesn't have to ask Don or anything. It's Jack Kirby. <laughs> anything he wants. Yes. Uh, Sorry, Chris. Uh, so uh, when I saw the title cards in the movie, uh, I take nothing away from Stanley, who uh, has been a friend of mine for, oh man, 40 years now. Uh, I've known Stan. Stan taught me uh, visual storytelling way back in the summer. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but when I saw the title card, when I saw the, the, the uh, title card that said uh, uh, Black Man based on characters created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, I really wish it had said based on characters created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Sure. Because so much of it really was that I, I didn't mind being down in the you know special thanks ghetto along with everybody, <laughs> everybody else. The little fine type hair chauffeurs. Yeah. Were you, were you in the ghetto by the way? Were you Believe it or not, and that was a struggle to get in there. I can get to that one. You had to fight to get in the ghetto? No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it mine? Yeah, go for it. A few loose ends. First off, this man deserves every credit that he should get because you've probably seen a meme that's been circulating on social media that talks about when Jack Kirby was on Black Panther, uh, the editorial asked for more white characters and he brought in the KKK. That's misattributed. That should have been to Don. Don knows. I think he wrote something about that, uh, mentioned it. I'm a, I'm a shrinking violent, probably not. Um, as, well, okay, maybe. I follow. Did I curse a lot? <laughs> I, as, I for, as for creators, yeah, getting to do the sad thing about this industry is it's not done the right thing for most of the decades, and usually it's the creator himself who contacts maybe an advocate to shame Marvel, if you want to call it. No, they won't come and say that. But once Marvel's in a bad PR position, then suddenly they act. Yeah. Um, Three-year script for a book. Can you imagine if you were offered that? <laughs> we were on Death Watch notice every few months. Right. Yeah. We can list like the issues we were told are tentatively our final right, issues. Right, right, right. Wrap it up by this number, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, not just issue 12. Um, so yeah, that, that blows me away. It became a three-year run of the three of us. Um, as for the struggle thing, um, I've been watching all the Marvel Studios films, and the way the credits generally go is like uh, it was explained. You get your co-creators, and then way down near the end, you get the, the people that helped influence elements of the film. But there's no precedent of having any ink artists in there, because normally ink artists don't get really involved in the content. Now, I knew that I would be an exception, because I had the fortune of having this incredibly generous writer offer his art team, you know, what would motivate you guys, you know? I mean, he was writing it. He had all these, you know, ideas and goals, but he did everything to inspire us. And I mean, he, he actually ran with a majority of our requests, which is just unbelievable. I had nothing to do with writing, plotting, anything like that, so I'm not here to get undue credit, uh, extra credit. That was all him, his genius. But I pestered the hell out of him. He thought when he first met me at the uh, film premiere, he thought I was a much younger guy. And I think that's probably because I have this contagious enthusiasm because I've been a Marvel fan forever. 
And while, my, while Avengers has been my book, I mean, I have followed Panther because he's been very much involved with him for decades. Um, so what I did was I contacted an advocate, like I was referring to, two of them actually, and they had to talk to the gentleman at Marvel, David Bogart, and they had to look into what LA was doing to see if there was anything there that would match up with what we did. So I was trying to show that I had some influence thanks to him. I mean, if I believe right, I had a fight tooth and nail to get my buck with a man ape for, for you to be like, okay, I'll use them. <laughs> as, as you... <laughs> I, I wiped that out of my memory because... Uh, the, Bob, you did never talk me into doing a character called man ape. You'd never have done it. The, the, the executive producer, uh, uh, now, now his name is escaping. Feige? No, 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 no. no. Um, yeah, it'll come back to me. Uh, uh, he called me up to when, they, when Panther was in pre-production when he was when it was just being in development, mm -hmm. and he said, "Well, we're thinking about using using man." And I said, "Who?" He said, "Man." I said, "Who?" He said, "Man." Did you say man ape? <laughs> There's a character called man ape. Goes, yeah, you wrote it like three. I wrote a character called man ape. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know, and I, I went downstairs, I went, uh, uh, Bob, I completely spaced, I went downstairs, I dug through my boxes, and sure enough, there's Mubaku, the man, and I was holy cow. I remember the progress of this. Yes. <laughs> uh, you called I know Mubaku, and so therefore, you didn't have to worry about man -Ape. You probably never even used the phrase. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure we he called did. him Manip at some point because he, he shows up on a splash page. The only reason he's <laughs> kind of connected to your run is they started the reprint from Avengers with John B. Simmer. If you thought I paid any attention to that outside of creating actual white gorillas that would be the religion, that's the only thing, because I would never, ever, I swear right. to God. And, and he was the cranky uncle to the little girl, the spunky girl from Brooklyn that eventually became Panther's Robin to Panther's Batman, the mm -hmm. Queen Divine Justice. Who will be showing up in the next film? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> oh. Did you guys notice that um, the designs that, well, I, I spoke to some of the CG team who worked on the rendering for his suits, the different suits that, he's had, that he had, and they said they, they definitely had the work that you guys did on their table while they were designing. They had the work that I did, and, and Brian Selfridge as well. But, um, during the scenes in the movie where he's um, conversing the spirit world with his uh, with his father, all of those, the, like just the panel where he's just kind of down on the ground, that's Brian Selfridge. Yeah. The color palette, that's Laura Martin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. you start seeing like where yeah. they kind of like yeah. and yeah. and even the uh, the symbolism that they used. You know, they told me that like, oh yeah, hey. You know, your use of the Enigma symbols, we decided to kind of make our own outfit. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you see it all the time. Like, hey, that was Billy Hammond design. Like, hey, that was this person's design. Of course, we don't know. So I was like, hey, thanks for the uh, idea. <laughs> so you weren't in special thanks, uh, I guess? Okay. Yeah, I, oh, by the way, yeah. you weren't in again. Applause. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoever, stick, stick around for the credits for the special thanks. Damn right. Absolutely. Hell yeah, we're not leaving until we see the special thanks. And it's like, you name check. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's great. I, I involuntarily stood up and screamed. Attaboy. Did you really? <laughs> I did. I thought you all were going to look at me and no one noticed. No, I, I had tears in my eyes. Not over the credits, but just over the film. I will show you. I want to say, one of the things being at the premiere, uh, one of the things that it, it stood out for me and moved me emotionally was meeting Christopher Priest. 
And you can't find a classier guy with the kind of talent that he has. In this business, many writers never acknowledge another writer. And I know right after that, Christopher wrote a piece um, on the books that I had done, and was probably gave me more praise than I actually really deserved, but I thank him for it, and I thank him for his friendship. Having, I'm coming out of that movie, one of the things I really love, I get to be no Christopher Priest. Understood. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break from the discussion and tell you a bit more about our sponsor. Today's Word Balloon brought to you by Aftershock Comics. Now, I'm sure you've seen Aftershock titles on the racks of your favorite comic shops. A whole slew of newer titles written and drawn by your favorite creators. How about the gritty psycho-thriller American Monster from Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso? The real-world comedy Super Zero from Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, Or the spy series Jimmy's Bastards from Garth Ennis and Russ Braun. Believe me, I love all of these. They were great stories. And as you know, these are creators that came to Aftershock to tell their kind of stories with no rules. Just a new platform to tell great, fresh stories. You can check out these new titles, too. Like the Midwestern Noir Hot Lunch Special by Elliot Royale and Jorge Fornes. Or a great story about current conspiracy theories with ties from centuries past in Beyonders by our buddy Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair. And cyberpunk crime action with Moth and Whisper from Ted Anderson and Jen Hickman. Now, in the episodes coming up in the weeks ahead, we will be talking to some Aftershock creators about their books. They are some of your old favorites, and they're also some brand new creators as well. But you don't have to wait to learn about Aftershock comics. You can check out full story. You can check out full story descriptions, preview pages, and how to get these books either digitally or the diamond codes to order them through your local shop at Aftershock Comics. All right, let's get back now to our class in session and talk more about Black Panther on today's Word Balloon. I'm sure you all have questions, but right before we get to those, Christopher, um, I read your uh, book, your prose book, kind of covering Quantum and Woody and and various, you know, phases of your (laughs) book. Please please let people know the title of your book, and it is available. It's on my Kindle. Yeah, yeah, on Kindle, yeah. It's called Clang. It's a, a commentary about the uh, uh, Mark Wright. Uh, my my uh, artist uh, Mark Wright and I we uh, returned to the Quantum Woody character a few years ago, and we did, you know, uh, we did a, a miniseries uh, under the premise of uh, what if the book had never gone away, or what if we had never left the book. So it's like then, 20 years later, and they're fat and yep. and you know, and, and and they have to solve certain problems, or whatever. And there were enormous like difficulties and and challenges in putting the book together. Uh, and uh, Mark and I, we are Quantum Woody, so we kind of bicker, <laughs> you know. Uh, so there's a, a, a little commentary, and it includes the uh, original script, because uh, the script had gotten changed around a lot, so it includes the original script to the uh, to the book, and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and, you know, uh, why not, uh, you know, well, actually, I am working for Valiant again, but uh, I wasn't working for Valiant for quite a while, but... Yeah, that's that, that's the old value. Now there's a new. They've been yep. bought again, so they're, they're a new company now. Yep. No, it's honestly, it's it's tremendous. Clang, check it out. So honestly, I want to open things up for for questions because I'm sure we've got a lot of them, sir. Uh, so this is for you, Mr. Priest. I promise it's not a valid question. Okay. Um, but before I get to my question, I want to say that both you and Jim Owsley are. are Two of my favorite writers. Oh, well, yeah, I agree. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, I'll tell them. I was, I, was, uh, one of the people who, who 
foggier run from issue one, mainly because of that gorgeous painted uh, cover of the now iconic you know, image of the Panther. But what I loved about it is not only did you do what you said and sort of make the child of the answer to you know, Marvel's answer to Batman with the technology and the ruthlessness and everything, but the humor was, was incredible, right? I, I post a photo of the devil's pants on Facebook and whatever I can. So can you tell me a little bit about the creation of Edward K. Ross and your goal to not only bring uh, danger and social commentary, but also humor into the Black Panther that you worked on? Well, uh, real quick, Ross was created in Kazar. I was writing a book called Kazar uh, for Marvel, and uh, he existed there. Um, but I thought when we went to the Panther thing that what I needed most was a point of view character. I needed something to overcome uh, not only the audience's reluctance to embrace this character, but editorial's reluctance to embrace, to, to embrace the character and to make the book more commercial. So the Marvel Knights of Black Panther really wasn't about the Black Panther, it was about the Everett Ross character played by Martin Freeman uh, in the film, except my Ross was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the, the filmmaker made a deliberate choice because uh, I think Martin did not want to play another funny sidekick, but that's precisely why they cast him, because he, he plays a wonderful funny sidekick, but then they didn't let him be funny in the film. Uh, but in our book, he was hilarious, and uh, uh, it was about his cultural awakening. It was, it, it's, it's like, you know, putting, uh, 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 who played Chandler or Friends? Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. <laughs> like, Matthew Perry meets, you know, goes out on a date with her. You know, and he's completely unexposed to anything you're talking about, and what's this tattoo, and what's going on. So that's who Ross was. Um, uh, and uh, putting humor in the book, that was one of my conditions for doing it. Besides the Robert De Niro My Way thing, I was like, oh, and by the way, it's going to be funny. And that scared the hell out of everybody, because they never seen a... Don, bless his soul, he wrote such an intense, you know, there's nothing... Oh, I was told I couldn't do humorous black characters. What do you think Tietchan and Cassini end up being? The Abbott and Costello okay. at this rage. Okay. Because the book needed humor, but they didn't want it. Interesting. They actually told me, you can't do a humorous black character. <laughs> and they didn't, act, after Killmonger was on the first cover, we couldn't put him on the cover. You don't see him again until in the second year's worth of books, because they were not used to having a black character that ferocious, that angry, yeah. that powerful. I, when Rich and I were, Rich Buckler and I were, Creating that character, I kept telling Rich, every time you look at me, you think, how can Chala beat this guy? You look at me and you think, he doesn't have a chance. Yeah. And that would give, I always went for the superhero kind of stuff, you need to have a villain that, it really just takes it up. And how are we going to resolve this? And, what, and, and Killmonger, by the time we were, I was, Rich and I were finished, I said, this is it, Rich. And after that, we said, no, you can't put him on the cover again. <laughs> and then, I think it's issue seven or something like that. Finally, they, they put him in, and he wasn't supposed to be on the cover with the wolves attack, Chala, and all the wolves. Well, Rich had just drawn the wolves attacking him. And apparently, I guess, editorial thought, oh, no, we're going to have a villain on there. Sure. And so they put this little figure of Killmonger. He's like a little action figure. And if you look at the drawing, you can see he's just tucked into a corner beyond where all the wolves are fighting Chala. And it goes with the arrow and says, he's back, Killmonger. <laughs> so, you know, something like seven or eight books into the series. Wow. Crazy. More questions? All the way in the back, sir. Thank you. Um, huge fan of both of you guys writing from early Black Panther all the way through the night. Um, I'm curious to know for each of 
you, what is your favorite story arc and element that you got to add to the character between from beginning to now? Oh gosh. Sure, go ahead. Put, put me on the spot. Um, oh man. Yeah. Oh, I have to get back to you. That's uh, <laughs> the essay question. Uh, yeah, sure, sure is. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think one of my favorite Black Panther ones did not have Black Panther and wasn't in the comic book. It was in a, it was in a Hulk annual where I had Queen Divine Justice teaching the Hulk how to make bricks. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. Oh my God! And John Bachman threw the hell out of that. It was so funny. Um, uh, but I, uh, but Panther, uh, I, I got to tell you that, that that very first issue, which was uh, laid out by Joe Quesada, and uh, Mark Texier uh, painted it. That's right. Uh, you know, Black Panther, uh, he, he stalks this guy. Uh, he makes him crash his uh, Mustang into the East River. And they're upside down inside the car. And, and Panther's holding him like this, you know. And he's like, you know, you'll tell me what I need to know or I'll carve your heart like a roast. You know, and I was like, that, to me, that was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's Black Panther, you know. <laughs> yeah, all of you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, after Dantas, please, uh, both of you as well. Um, I, I, I'm like Christopher, I'm not sure, no. I, I, there's certain scenes I think were powerful, and I was working so hard on them, and they stay with me. Um, I'll tell you a story, though, like, I can tell you a story on the Black Panther. Um, one of the most, yeah, it's, well, it's kind of, a, it's, it's the most surreal conversation I ever had in the hallowed halls of Marvel Comics. So I'm doing Panther's Prey with Dwayne Turner. And by the way, Gene Cole couldn't draw Panther's Prey after he did Panther's Quest. And so I'm looking around for an artist, and Terry Cavanaugh, the editor, was showing me people. And I saw Dwayne's, like, eight pages of artwork for Dwayne. And it wasn't anything like what I was going to be trying to do. And I was after hours, I was Xeroxing something in, the, in, in, you know, at Marvel. And Christopher Ivey came up to me and said, Donnie, you used Dwayne Turner. And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know Dwayne. I don't know his work. And he said, well, the Black Panther's his favorite character. And I thought, I'd rather have somebody that loves the character. And it's not just another gig, because this isn't just another gig to me. And now I'm coming back to bring all those characters for Panthers, rage into the thing. I thought, OK, well, I'm going to bring Monica back. And I, I really intended to, had to go through so many meetings to say that I, that we you know, could marry the Black Panther. And Mark Brewer kept telling me, Don, we don't worry about you writing it, but if somebody else comes on to write it, we don't know what they'll do with Monica or how they would handle that. And it took like three, four months to get an okay to do it. Some of the, in the, the book that really introduces her, I really wanted to do a background story. My favorite scene in that series probably is the sequence where you find out what Monica was doing since Panther's Rage. And at the end of it, it's Charlotte coming to see Monica and to convince her that it's basically 12 pages of a man and woman discussing why they shouldn't have sex. <laughs> so, that's the weekend. That's the <laughs> and, and, and no matter how much they try to deny the attraction between them, um, it's going to happen. Even when they're arguing, they know they're going to happen. 
So the book comes out, and I go into Terry's office, Terry Cameron calls me, hey, your book's out now, so I can come in, and I said, look, I'm, I've got to go to the bathroom before I, I look at the book, I'll come right back. So I, I, I walk into the bathroom, and I'm washing my hands, and out of the toilet stall, Tom DeFalco's voice suddenly goes out, McGregor, and I love it when I use my name that way. You can cost Terry Cameron his job. And I know what kind of line to use on me that's going to make, Jesus, I wouldn't do anything to Terry. What, did, what, what, I, what could I possibly have done to Terry? And, I, I, and so he keeps, he shoves it, I said, what did you say? And he shoves this out again and it comes out. How did he knew I was there, by the way? He's in the closed store. How did he know I was even there? I, I just went to the urinal, came over, washed my hands. I never said a word. Somehow he knew it was me. So we go out into the halls and Tom DeFarco tells me, Monica Lynn has no panties on in that, in that, in, in that, in that book. And now see, there's a lot of things that I might forget. <laughs> but, but I think I would remember if there was a sequence. Now I did tell Dwayne, she has, I don't, he's gonna be in costume. Originally that was gonna be three separate scenes throughout the series, and it didn't work out that way. And I said, well, he's gonna be in the outfit. It's, it's like over a quarter of the book. And you know, people are like, why is he dressed as Charles? So he yeah, so, but Monica, he can never steal the scene from Monica. And I defy you if you look at that sequence, if, if Charlotte ever steals that scene from her. I don't think so. Um, so now he's continually arguing with me about this, and I'm trying to see all the panels in my head. And I, I said, well, the book is in, let's go up. And, 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 yeah, of course, there's 10,000 copies of the sales. And by the way, it's always 10,000 copies. <laughs> That's not what the publisher is. I don't care if you're going with an independent, big company, if, if there's something went like that, it's 10,000 copies. Okay. Nowadays, they would wish they could sell 10,000 <laughs> copies. So he went to Terry's office and looked through the book, and he can't find anything. And does he say, oh, sorry, Don, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. He just looks. Ah, okay. Close it down, stops out. That's it. Wow. <laughs> Story. Wow. So that's my bizarre, most surreal conversation at Marvel Comics. Do you, the artists have any, like, great Panther moments that you're particularly proud of? You and Othoya. Um, you gotta think about it, Othoya, no problem. Yeah. Bob? Uh, first of all, I was showing you yesterday, I mean, uh, Billy Graham passed away with very little fit. And absolutely. And Tell I, us about the leader. I he's got the stories. I never met the man. I just know. Are you I, saying the, or, the 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 preacher or, or a comics Billy Graham or the fighter Billy? You know, the Billy I know Graham drew Panthers rage and old chains. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, after you were hired, I heard about it, and it turned out that Priest was writing the infamous exploitation issue coming up. <laughs> Which kind of surprised me because there was some uniform or costume updates and he was imagining all the retro 70s look and it's like, where's Brother Voodoo? Uh, uh, first pause here, when he says black exploitation, we're talking about, uh, I had completely, I had, I had completely run out of ideas, but our editor, Ruben Diaz, was always just, he's like a monkey, he's always, hey, I've got a ton of ideas. And, and, and Ruben said, like, wouldn't it be great to bring back all these like really, you know, bad 1970s black characters, you know, and the, and the even worse black villains from the 1970s. So we did an issue where we just threw them all in there, and that's what Bob's talking about. So. And I just thought about it, it's like, this is perfect, because Luke Cage was in there, 
and obviously he worked. Billy worked on Panther and on Cageables more predominantly than I think anything else. Right. So it just seemed like the perfect time. So I just I asked you and I believe uh, uh, Ruben at the time, and they were all for it. Um, so that was a big deal. Um, I had been trying to push for Tom, Tom Rebord's uh, format for the 100-page special. Uh, no, 100-page monster. 80-page monster, yeah. And I discovered the 35th anniversary of Black Panther was coming up. So they, they had been kind of putting off the idea because they didn't think maybe they'll come remember. We were on a, like a precarious, th you know, survival thing. And they weren't really into it. But when I mentioned the anniversary, all of a sudden you got a, you mentioned you had we got approval. We can do it. You know, yeah. we got to pick the stories, and that worked out really well. Um, for the that was for the proposed annual that never happened. Right. Interesting, because I know Ruben swears by it. Tom Reber said that never existed. Well, some weird things. Anyway, uh, so that was cool that we got to do that. We did a future story in that issue. Yeah, the once in future came. Right. Don't forget King Solomon's frog. That King Solomon's Frog is so fun. He he actually, as as a tribute to me, had me in mind when he was doing this Happy Pants Panther because I was this you know this fanboy and talking about all this stuff, which is probably why he thought I was younger than I was because I was full of enthusiasm, uh, and it was a way of showing you know this. Retro. I mean, every, all these elements came in from the Kirby stuff, and it's amazing that he was able to get up, make it all work. Right. <laughs> you actually have a really quick Panther story I just saw, and I know we only have about five minutes. Oh, no, we're doing all right. Yeah. Five minutes? Um, no, we got all more than that. But we're about six minutes, you're right. Um, I'll be faster. No problem. Um, the first cover that I did for Black Panther World of Wakanda kind of features T'Challa on his own profile, and then we um, my husband Cameron is a martial artist, and his teacher is uh, Richard Trammell, this really phenomenal martial artist, black gentleman, has the Black Panther tattooed on both arms. His nickname is T'Challa, right? He's mentored so many young people and, and, and really was an influence on my, my husband's life, and so I thought I would honor his sensei by making Shalom. Shalom. So I have him as the model for the first Black Panther. He's about like showing uh, real superheroes and bringing them into the work of That's awesome. Excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Christopher, they've been recollecting your guys' run, uh, you know, obviously because of the success of the film. Is that annual part of uh, the reprints? Did it make it in? I'm sorry, can you say again? The, the Black Rotation annual that you guys yeah. did, is it part of the, the trades that they've been putting out of your guys' it's run? It's somewhere. It's got to be. They, what they did was they reformatted it into the 35th anniversary, so issues 36 and 37 would have been, I guess, the annual. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. That's great. And yeah, I mean, honestly, if you haven't read Christopher's run, it's incredible. I'm sure most of you have. Excellent. Certainly Don's work as well. So we've got time for about one more question. Sir? Uh, hi. I have a question for you. Now that you know that Donald Rager made $162 for Panther 3, how does that affect you now that, as an artist, that your property is going to be worth, could be worth billions in 20 years? How does that affect you as, as an affordable contract? 
and what you want to do, what you don't want to do? Well, one, it makes my $224 royalty check. Still the same, aren't they? But also, Doesn't surprise me. It also makes me feel like, well, you know, as I work on these projects and I work on these characters that I love personally, um, it also inspires me to create my own. That at one point in this universe, there was no Black Panther. And each one of you have taken a piece of yourself and your ideas and you put into it and it's turned into this giant thing. So I can take something, and even though it might not compare to the icons that we all know and love now, that doesn't mean that someone else won't pick it up and add something to it and turn it into something later. So it really encourages me to say, hey, you know what? I need to believe in my ideas because just as anything grows and evolves and as it changes through time, it will become something that, that inspires people and, and you know, touches someone and moves them if I'm just honest and true and believe in my vision and not take, you know, of course I can take criticism, but like, if you're, you're strong and true to your, your vision, say, no, 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 I, I want to say this, so I want to do it this way. Yeah, because yeah, I've got something to say. That. Absolutely. So I, thank you for asking that, because that's, that's exactly what I want to do. I, I think money, notwithstanding, although money would be nice, <laughs> um, uh, there's a certain uh, uh, emotional satisfaction and gratification to, to see your, 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 your art you know, come alive. Um, and then it also presents a platform where people are going, well, well who is this guy? And you know, they, you know, uh, open some doors you know, uh, career-wise down the line there. Although in Colorado Springs, I, I still exist in, in relative anonymity, and I'm, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Just, <laughs> no one has any idea what I do, they don't care, and just, you know, hey, let's get some pizza. And I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to mention, Afua, you did a great uh, series with Mark Bernard for Top Cow. Romulus, am I right? Genius. Genius, pardon me. And, and yeah, so that's also, if you want to get beyond uh, Afua's great covers and stuff, there's some great interiors there as well, checking. we got time for one more question, if possible. And if not, uh, well, let's see. Sir? Miss? Excuse me? I thought the gentleman was actually raising his hand. Pardon me, Miss. I just have a question. It's more, I wanted to thank you, Afua, for being a player on the stage. I've been a comic fan since 1972, and you can't even, I'm, I'm reading my daughter to be a comic fan. And we're coming to cons, and there are women on the stage. Damn straight. Absolutely. <laughs> it's getting better slowly. But it is getting, and honestly, it's, it's gratifying that it is getting better. And truly, uh, it's, it's great to see uh, a wonderful character finally getting his due and uh, in the hands of such wonderful creators as uh, have been displayed uh, for our panel today. Uh, continued success to all of you. Uh, I know that Christopher's doing an amazing run on Destro. It should be better than critically acclaimed. Uh, so <laughs> support it. Don, absolutely. Don, what do you, you got going right now, Don? Well, they're, they're doing the biggest Marvel Masterworks they've ever done. Kill Raven is coming out in September. Outstanding. Right now, DC is going to uh, redo all of the Gene Collins pencils for Nathaniel Dusk, and we're coming out with an ultimate hardcover edition of that. Um, hopefully, Alexander Rusk is on the horizon, and I would love it if Mike Mayhew and Dwayne Turner were a part of it. Um, I hope Trevor Von Eden can do Young Saber. And then we're also going to, but the one that really excites me 
is that we're going to be doing ragamuffins. Dean Mullaney's going to, he's the one, he's the first book to print pencils of color together and has just lovely, gorgeous Gene Colon artwork. And 20 pages of Gene Colon art had been, had been lost for over three decades. We now have access to it. And it's a story called The Packard Instinct. And for all of you out there uh, who love comics and who love to collect, uh, as Dean told me when he read the original script, there won't be a dry eye in the house when, when the story ends on. I thank you all, by the way, who come to me at the table and, you know, and, and tell me what those stories meant to you or where you were when a particular character, you know, somebody named their son after Nathaniel Dusk. I had a lesbian to write and tell me that you know, she decided not to uh, commit suicide after um, reading Detectives Incorporated. Wow. I had a guy who worked in the terminally ill ward. I can't do that. Um, but the saber gave him you know, the, the ability to be able to go back and deal with that. I said, I can't do what you do. But if what I do makes you, helps you do that, then that's really what that's about. That's Thank you all. Excellent. Go to the tables, find out what they're all doing now. They're all in our salary. And thank you for your attention today. Oh, you want to do it, Bob? Thank you. I just want to say, I, I don't even want to ask what you're doing now. Yeah, uh, please. <laughs> I, got, uh, I don't have anything to plug because it's outside of commissions and one-shot pieces. Not much. When Priest meant, when you mentioned the question, well, how's Marvel, how they've been shown rewarding you for all this stuff, and I know Priest said, no, yeah, Bob, you would be working on all that. It's like, Sal and I got a variant cover approved for World of Wakanda that you worked on. Wow. But that's it. Oh, and no matter how many times we tried to remind the editors, like, wouldn't it be nice to have, like, because I know you guys did the Black Panther annual, but they brought in, you know, all right. that. Nobody contacted I, us I to do any art. I, I, I fought for you. I know. You've been mentioned yeah. the Deathstroke thing. Yeah. So, no, yeah. No, 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 I mean, for the, for the Panther thing. Oh. So if anybody wants to be vocal about that, by all means, Sal and I would love to do more Panther, even if it is a one-shot or a fill-in. Hey, their classic Our work is a memory. Uh, Sherry has her own series coming out. Mm-hmm. There you go. I love that. But I'm actually working on a graphic novel uh, run, which is the sequel to March, the John Lewis story about a civil rights. Excellent. I, I hope to have uh, I hope to have them all on future work Bullet podcasts. So I'll be putting out my cards, and uh, hopefully we'll get more conversation digitally. But thank you again for your attention, and really appreciate a round of applause for all the millennials. There you go, the Black Panther panel. What an exciting panel it was to be a part of. And I got to tell you, I'm very excited to have made these connections with all four of the contributors to the panel. I have a feeling you'll be hearing them on Word Balloon in the months ahead because uh, it's going to be great to sit down and have a real conversation with Christopher Priest. The same goes with Don McGregor. Bob Almond apparently is the keeper of all the knowledge, and I would love to talk to him more about his collaborations with Sal Valudo, not only on Black Panther, but Justice League Task Force and some of the other great things that they've worked on over the years. I got an incredible Black Panther sketch 
from Bob that I am so excited about. It's, it was my best purchase at Terrificon, and it'll be great to talk to him. It'll be great to talk to Afua Richardson as well uh, because she's got some neat projects on the way and couldn't have been sweeter. We spent a lot of time from the airport uh, to the convention as well as our time on the panel, and she and her husband were terrific and uh, very excited to be talking to her as well in the future. So expect all four of these panels to be on future word balloons. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Again, it was brought to you by Aftershock Comics. Uh, great comic books. You know the names of a lot of their creators. Uh, people like Brian Azzarello and Marguerite Bennett, uh, our buddy Colin Bunn. Phil Hester has a new book there. Tim Seeley has a book there. So many neat books, including brand new books as well. Hot Lunch Special by Elliot Rael and George Fornes. Beyonders by Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair. And Moth and Whisper from Ted Anderson and Jen Hickman. So check out full story descriptions, preview pages, and how to get these stories either digitally or the diamond codes to order them through your local shop at AfterShockComics.com. Word Balloon also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. If you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, if you like what you hear here at WordBalloon.com and want to help the product out, you can do that by subscribing via Patreon at Patreon.com slash WordBalloon, or you can go to the Patreon ad at WordBalloon.com. Thanks again for listening. Great stuff coming up this week and throughout the month of September. Uh, New York Comic Con is just around the corner. I will be there. I hope to see you there. And uh, very excited about it. I'm not doing any panels. Just running around networking, shaking hands, running for mayor, as I always like to say at conventions. That's how, what I feel like I'm doing. But it's always great to meet uh, not only the listeners, but also new creators. And hopefully make those connections for new conversations here at Word Balloon. Talk to you in a few days with a brand new Word Balloon. Until then, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.